And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Oh my gosh, well, Kevin Hines, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so fun. I've got the pleasure to meet you in person um, with our mutual friend, Britt Bronson, um, founder of Space Movement. Yes. And I've actually heard your name so many times before by probably, I think there's been at least five people who have been guests on the podcast who have literally said, have you interviewed Kevin Hines yet? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I am trying. Thank you very much. I am on it. I am trying right now. Um, so this is such a special treat, not only for me, but for everyone listening right now, because we've heard so many amazing things about you, but we've never actually got to get to know the true story behind Kevin Hines other than than just reading it. So this is gonna be such a special treat. You have the best background right now. I can't wait to post this video <laughs> because you have all your Marvel superheroes. And you know, yeah. if anyone like listens to the show, they know me, I am not only just a collectible person, but I have actually been a comic book character before. So I am like freaking out that you have all of this. Oh my God, the Deadpool, you are just kicking ass already. This is amazing. Oh my God, you're like a life-size child and I'm obsessed. <laughs> you're like my life-size child. Oh my gosh, Kevin, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. We actually recorded your podcast yesterday and I was yeah. lucky to be a guest. So this is like double the fun right now. Double the fun, yes, it's amazing. Oh my gosh, well, Kevin, I just, first and foremost, your story is so incredible. And you know, I hate the word journey, yet I use it all the time. And I noticed I said it probably a hundred times on your show yesterday. But for those who are not familiar with Kevin Hines and your whole story, can you give a little backstory of, of why you became a motivational speaker and how everyone just raves about you? What is it particularly about your story? You know, I think that First of all, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Aww, it's of course. great to be here with you. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I think that people resonate with the story so much because pain is universal. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so is brain pain. You know, we mm -hmm. call it mental illness, but it really is brain pain. Everyone has a brain. Everyone's got to take care of it. Right. And in the year 2000, my brain was going haywire. Uh -huh. I was right. having hallucinations, auditory and visual. I was having manic highs followed by depressive lows from bipolar disorder i was having panic attacks anxiety attacks and stress attacks i was a literal mess right and in september of the year 2000 at just 19 years old uh i became heavily suicidal mm. and i attempted to take my life in a way that is 99 fatal i left off the golden gate bridge right wow. and you know Obviously, 99% of the people that do that never again get to share their stories like I get the privilege to do so right here right. with you. I attempted to take my life. I jumped off the bridge. I survived. A sea lion came to my aid in the water and kept me afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind me. No, it was a sea lion? It was a sea lion. Yeah. It was a sea lion. And um, I'll never forget how I found out. I was... I was, well, I mean, in the water, I felt something circle beneath me, and I, I thought it was a shark. Of course, because that's what San Francisco is for. At any moment, this thing's going to bite off a leg or an arm or an ear like Tyson, and I'm done for. Yeah. But it didn't bite me. It just circled beneath me, and no longer am I wading in the water or treading water. 
I'm lying atop the water on my back being kept buoyant by this creature that's basically hitting my the backs of my knees, backs of my shoulders, backs of my elbows, keeping me above water. And the creature takes off, the Coast Guard boat arrives. A, a year and a half later, I would be on a television pro program promoting a suicide prevention campaign in San Francisco. And on the show, I said, I thought it was a shark beneath me in the water. Right. Well, the show went viral online and, uh, and people from all over the world wrote into the show and said to ABC news, what they had to say. Mm -hmm. Um, one man's letter stuck out of all the rest. His name was Morgan. Uh -huh. He was from Las Vegas, Nevada. He was on the bridge that day with his mom. And he said, Kevin, I'm so very glad you're alive. I was standing less than two feet away from you and you jumped. Until this day, it's haunted me until now. No one would tell me whether you lived or died. By the way, it was no shark like you mentioned. You thought it was in the show, but there was a sea lion. <gasps> and the people above looking down believed it to be keeping your body afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, but th that, that's not even the most wild part. So so that was amazing. And, and, and the sea lion literally saved my life because right. I would have drowned if not. I couldn't because I wasn't staying above water. I kept going underwater before the sea lion came about. I kept going under the water. I couldn't. My boots were waterlogged. My long sleep clothing was heavy. And my inhaler was in my left pocket. My, it was freezing. Inhaler was in my left pocket. I couldn't reach it. I was having an asthma attack. I kept going down. And that's when this creature starts bumping me up. And I'm waiting for it to bite me, but it doesn't bite me. Well, it's a sea lion. It was trying to keep me safe. And there's stories like this all over the world where animals have come and saved human beings' lives. There was a story of a cheetah that helped an infant stay alive from other animals. You know, there's a story right. of there's a story of porpoises that have literally killed a shark that was attacking a human being. Like there from all around the world you can find these stories. There as a matter of fact, I'm on a bunch of top ten lists for animals saving people's lives. Oh my gosh, what a great list to be on. <laughs> it's a great list to be on. I'm, I'm usually between number one and number three. It just, it just depends <laughs> pretty, on the people making the list. I guess. Pretty remarkable. Anyway, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so, so I survive and the sea line keeps me afloat and the Coast Guard boat arrives. But, but here's the thing. I, my dad calls me uh, at City College a year later to the date of my attempt. I didn't remember it was the anniversary of my attempt. Wow. My dad calls me and he says, Kev, uh, get ready, for, you know, get ready for me to pick you up from school. We're going for a drive. I said, well, where are we going, Dad? He said, like I said, a drive, you know, old school, old yeah. school San Francisco Pat, yeah. you know. And, and he, so we get in the car uh, when he gets there. And I'm like, Dad, where are we going? He goes, I'll tell you when we get there. So we're driving down 19th Avenue in San Francisco. And that only goes to one place, Park Presidio. And that only goes to one place, the Golden Gate Bridge. And we're driving and we stop at Clement Street or around that area and Park Presidio, and my dad yells out, hey, pick a flower from that flower bed. I'm like, dad, that's the police officer union building. There's police officers in the windows with their dress blues on for some kind of function. You know, you, you pick a flower in San Francisco, you get arrested. That's they're gonna not, come not get gonna, you. Gonna, yeah. They're gonna get you. They're gonna give you a fine of some kind. He goes, pick a damn flower. So I pick a flower, it's a purple tulip with gold pollen inside. Wow. And, I, and we get on the road, we, we go to the Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm like, dad, I don't wanna do this. Yeah. He's like, Kevin, we have to. It's the year of the anniversary. It's the time of the anniversary. We're going. We're doing this. I need closure. Wow. And I'm thinking, like, you need closure, old man. I need to go home and lay down. Yeah. You know, like I can't do this. I'm tired, Dad. <laughs> we get we get to the we get to the the bridge parking lot, and you know, I start to get 
nauseous. I'm not feeling well. We get out of the car. We go onto the walkway. And my dad says, show me where. Show me exactly where it happened. I knew the exact light rail. So I walk him to the light rail. And I am nauseous. I'm getting vertigo. I'm dizzy. He grabs my left hand in his right. We say, our father in a Hail Mary. I put the flower over the edge. I drop the flower. It washed down very slowly, kind of like this, you know? Yeah. It hits the water, makes the tiniest of ripple effects, hence the name of our film, Suicide the Ripple Effect. And two feet to the right, pops up a sea lion. No. Yes. Kevin. Yes. Oh, and my gosh. it was gosh. one of the most beautiful moments I've ever spent with my dad next to him being the best man at my wedding. And there was no other choice. All my friends were pissed off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a beautiful, beautiful story that was. I have to tell you, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but I'm originally from the Bay Area. So I'm okay. that's where I'm from. And I moved to Los Angeles. We came back and forth between 9 and 11. But I actually started out in the, in quote, unquote, business by being a kids club host. So I would go in every Saturday and I would record um, for the Coffee Kids Club, which was uh, WB, if you remember, K-O-F-Y. Yes, I remember that. Uh, yeah, in oh San Francisco. And I had the opportunity, it was so wild. It was my first hosting thing that I ever did. And first thing I did in front of the camera and why I love actually just being a host because it's what my, you know, true soul is is used to in what I did but I would interview everyone from the San Jose Sharks to Mayor Willie Brown I got to interview the director John Waters but I used to always go um, to SeaWorld and then to all of the different marine life areas around San Francisco and do interviews and I interviewed a lot of sea lion people so I feel like this is very cute but that was what uh, so it was so interesting to me because why your story hit me, you know, beyond just the 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 suicide and and the mental health and bipolar disorder and connecting on that level, um, and the sea lions. Now I'm learning. Um, what was so fascinating to me was I had such a fear of um, the Golden Gate Bridge um, as a kid because I had heard these stories when I was a kid over and over. Don't get too close to the bridge because people fall off. People fall off, and I was never told that you know five years old, don't go to the bridge, you know, if you're feeling, you know, depressed and sad because you might jump off of it, right? This was never a thought in my head, but it was something that was always so, I was always so fearful of it because of the sharks and Alcatraz and all of the, the wildness that goes with, with San Francisco and with the, with the waters. But it, but when I heard that that was the, the bridge that, that, everything happened for you that that's where it started and the ripple effect happened it blew my mind because it triggered something inside of me from when I was a child just being always told don't get near the edge don't get near the edge because you'll fall off you'll fall off Mm -hmm. and so it was it's just so remarkable to me like I look whether you believe or anyone listening believes in God or Jesus or aliens or whatever it is there is something there and there is a reason why you are the 1% and that you're here sharing your story because yeah. it, it's so powerful and it, it just it gives me just the 
the the full feels all over because I just remember that feeling of what it was like driving every Saturday to work and then going over the Golden Gate Bridge and just being so fearful, you know? And so to hear this story is just, it's so impactful and and just the the power that's behind it, right? And the fact that the animal sea creature of the sea lion, you know, maybe I interviewed that sea lion. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. We're not sure, but but, but that's what's so- I named him Herbert. Herbert? Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) But it's so remarkable how the world works, right? And how mother nature and, and animals communicate and they feel emotions and that's the importance and the significance also behind, you know, emotional support animals. People don't understand. They can smell, they can sense. So have you been back to the bridge since that moment, since you did the whole beautiful, almost ceremony, if you will, with your father? Yeah, I have many, many times. We've, we filmed there for the film Suicide, the ripple effect. We filmed there for many of the film projects, short form videos. I, I, uh, Sanjay Gupta of CNN took me back there for the CNN champions to change he did with me. Um, so yeah, I've been there. Been, been there many, many times. Um, I don't have an issue going to the Golden Gate Bridge anymore. Because of my dad, I found closure. Wow, isn't that beautiful? I found closure. It's just a bridge to me. Right. It's a bridge that it needs is to be what it fixed, is. but it's a bridge. It's a bridge that needs a net to stop the suicides, but it's just a beautiful place to be. I don't hold any ill will toward that bridge. I made, I made a mistake when I did what I did. It wasn't a decision. I wouldn't call it a decision. I was not in my right mind to make any kind of decision. It was a situation where, um, I I took an action based on my mental instability, you know? Um, Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's what I don't like about people who talk. and, 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 And I think that there are situations where language matters and language is important in mental health. And I think that one of those things is when you say, he or she or they decided to take their life or committed. I think right. That, I, I hate that. Or, or they committed. I think those are mistakes. I think that no one's committing a crime. No one's committing no. adultery. Uh, they're dying by suicide, just like they would die of any other organ disease. Absolutely. And your brain is an organ, just like every other organ in the body. It's arguably the most important one. Absolutely. Uh, next to your heart, right? So, um, and, and 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 so I I always believe that uh, that people. Uh, are compelled to take their lives right. from these inside forces that are debilitating them and, and destroying them from the inside. Right. Um, you know, I was hearing voices telling me I had to die. Yeah. How is that my fault? Yeah. Right. You know? Oh, oh. Did you ever meet anyone else that was a survivor um, from Golden Gate? I did. I did. Uh, I, I met, met, met a couple of folks. Uh, who, who said they jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. Um, and one's name was, uh, I believe, Ken Baldwin. Uh, and he was, uh, um, he's not a Baldwin brother, by the way. Uh, okay. but, <laughs> just to clarify. But, he, but just to clarify. But he's Ken Baldwin, and he was a, a, a school teacher. He was a shop teacher in wow. high, high school. And, and one day he became so depressed. And this was like, for him, this was a one-time thing. He, he, he had never really been depressed before, but wow. he became depressed and became suicidal. He left off the bridge and survived and he got through that. And he, he is, his, for some reason he broke free from his depression and uh, I don't think had another depressive episode. Wow. Um, yeah. And I've never heard of that happening before or never. after 
the story I heard from him, um, most of the folks I talk to and, and, and deal with are in recovery one day at a time like me, and they're still struggling, right. but they're, they're fighting to be well. Um, but he had this interesting experience where he just lost faith in life and, and, and attempted to take his life and right. obviously survived. And he lives now with a, a wife and kids and, and, he's, and he's, wow. he's doing well. Uh, we did a couple of TV interviews together. Great guy. Wow. Do you ever feel this like almost this like pressure to be a role model as an in quote unquote survivor? No, I don't feel pressure. Um, I, I would say I, I would say that sometimes traveling the world, speaking as often as I do and sharing my stories often I do. When you share your story, people share you theirs. And it can be oftentimes the most painful thing in the world to hear. Yeah. But I look at it as a gift each time because oftentimes these are the people who have never shared their stories before right and they're sharing with a complete stranger who just happened to stand on a stage for an hour yeah and that's a gift um so i appreciate it Mm -hmm. uh i wouldn't say pressure i would say the pain they experience that they transfer onto you is hard to deal with right what do you do to kind of decompress from that that's something that i'm trying to i guess we we've talked about this on on your show you know on how when you hear stories right i always say that you have to be ready to share your own personal story before you know you yeah. do because you're going to get a whole can of worms you know thrown on you by other people yeah. you know and it gets yeah. overwhelming and i and i haven't quite figured it out quite yet and and maybe you can help out on this when you know you do have people after you speak right and you have tons of people that come up to you afterwards and they share their, you know, stories of suicide or loss or depression or bipolar. What do you do to kind of decompress? Like, is there anything, you know, afterwards or in the moment where you can kind of shut a part of the brain off or you go and meditate? Like, is there anything you do? So oftentimes what I do is walk off stage, talk to all the people that want to talk to me. And then I will go sit in a room by myself and do four, four, eight. Inhaling four seconds through my nose, holding four seconds, and then releasing eight seconds, pursed lips like a whistle, but no sound. Um, I do four, four, eight. So we can do it right now, we can do four. Oh my God, let's do it, okay. What that does, and you do this 30 to 40 times in a row, what that does lowers your heart rate, lowers your blood pressure, lowers your blood sugar over time, doing it multiple times a day, lowers your quells and and stops a panic attack or an anxiety attack over time. It's it's an anxiety reducing trick because the reality is 88% of the population is not breathing properly. Absolutely. So you're a firm believer in breath work, obviously. Yes, of course. And you do transcendental meditation. So you know this, like when you're not breathing properly, you're, you're reducing oxygen to the brain, which is killing brain cells. It's a function. It's affecting your brains and body's functionality. And so doing these breathing techniques before, during, and after a a presentation like this, and after certainly people share with you their story of pain, struggle, multiple people over a long period of time. Um, it just really brings you back to center and back to a calm. No, it's absolutely. I've had so many beautiful people um, on the podcast who are breathwork specialists, and it's remarkable how 
impactful just breathing can be to your you know, life, literally, your your every yeah. little part of your life. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Now, you and I both share living with bipolar one disorder and you're you're sure. open and you speak about it and it's so beautiful because people don't. Um and that's okay. But the ones that do, it's just so inspiring and, and wonderful to know that you're not alone. Were you diagnosed with bipolar disorder before um, the Golden Gate Bridge? Were you don't uh, you know diagnosed afterwards? How did that all come about? Yeah, I was diagnosed before. I was oh. diagnosed at seventeen and a half years of age. Wow, young. In, in, yeah, in May of 1998, um, I was diagnosed, and I was triply diagnosed over my lifetime by three wow. different doctors with the same right. diagnosis. So in case you weren't sure, it's like, let me tell you, yeah, Kevin, in case you're not sure, two just other you thought, you thought it was a joke. It ain't no joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just to get a second and third opinion and that, and that, that, you know, to make sure I was, I was on the right meds and all yeah. that stuff. And, um, make sure I was following the right treatment plan. Listen, I'm all about multiple diagnosis of being 150 million percent sure because we've talked about it before. I was misdiagnosed yeah. and being misdiagnosed, there is nothing worse than that, you know? So no, it's, it's great. Terrible. It's terrible. And it's taxing on the body and the brain and the mind. Um, but but uh, in being diagnosed, I was diagnosed with the same brain disease both my biological parents as I'm adopted had before me. So oh, wow. both of them had manic, what they called back then manic depression, as you know, what we today call bipolar disorder. Um, they died very young because of their mental illness and because of drugs and alcohol. And I never got to to meet them and tell them how much I love them and that, that right. I wish they were they were part of my lives, my life. Um, and that really affected me. And that was a void in my stomach for, for my, the pit of my right. chest for the longest time until recently when I met my birth family on wow. my mom's side. Yes, it, it's been amazing. They accepted me immediately. Um, it's been quite a few years since I met my sister and my brother, but I just recently met all of my cousins. We see each other all the time. They live in the same state I live in. It's fantastic. Wait, but Kevin, can I ask really quickly, because this is so um, fascinating to me. One of my one of my best friends, um, her name is Jenna Ushkowitz, who was on Glee with your cousin, Darren Chris. Um, yes. You know, she is, um, she's started an amazing company, um, an organization, um, Kindred Adoption for, for adoption because she was adopted and she's mm. very big on, on all of this and it's so wonderful. But she was one of my first interviews and, you know, she's one of my best friends. So it was really fun to get to even get a little deeper level without even realizing we were going to go there. But one of my questions was, because I have a lot of family that, that actually um, has been adopted. And one of my questions always was, you know, you can obviously be told, okay, cancer maybe runs in the family and, and heart disease and all of this stuff, but mental illness and, and, you know, mental struggles certainly is not something that's on the top of an adoption paper. Um, right. And I said to her, I said, you know, did you ever feel like, want to know, like, oh, I wonder, because for me, right, my bipolar disorder comes from my father's side of the family and mm. my father had it and, you know, his mother has it and, you know, and yeah. so forth. So it's just so mind blowing to me that you knew this in when you were adopted from from the beginning. Is that that seems so? Is that rare? I don't know. No, to be fair, I didn't know it for the longest time. Oh. So what I, I learned, I learned that my father, my birth father, Martino, died when I, I learned that he had passed away a long time ago when I was twelve. Gotcha. So here I am, I'm twelve years old. I'd always known I was adopted, 
my, my parents never hid that from me. My, my, and, and just for the sake of differentiating them, yeah. my adopted parents told me I was adopted from the very beginning. Right. Um, but, but they are a mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, I have two moms and two dads really. And so my, You're my, extra my, lucky. My, my, birth father, my birth father, Martino, um, he was in and out of jail. He had been diagnosed with manic depression. We learned all this from the court documents of the adoption for me. Wow. So that's when I finally got to read the court documents that my mom had, my adopted mom had for, right. Uh, right. for me when I was ready to read them. Um, I got to learn a lot about my birth parents. Wow. That both of them had been diagnosed with manic depression. My birth mom had been triply diagnosed with manic depression, schizophrenia, and, and, and drug and alcohol addiction. You know, so they, they were really going through it. We were born in severe poverty. We were we, we had a really rough up. Uh, uh, my, me and my, my birth brother, my only full blooded birth brother, Jordash, had a really rough infancy. Hmm. It was very very traumatic. If you look at my ACE scores, my adverse childhood experiences, they would be through through the roof. Wow. Um, yeah, but but you know, in, in that situation, my birth brother and I were taken away from our birth parents because of that neglect we experienced. Not because they didn't love us, no. but because they had to keep a roof over our heads. Right. We lived in and out of crack motels, and my birth parents would go out and do score and sell drugs to make money to pay for that motel. Right. right. Until one day, one seedy motel clerk makes just about his most unseedy decision and calls the police and says, "These kids are screaming and crying. No one is watching them. They, you know, they're infants. They can barely take. They can't take care of themselves. You know, we're in diapers, and you know, we're." we're, we're in our own filth. It was a terrible right. situation. So the police come in with child protective services. They take us, they put us into foster care in one of the homes filled with neglect. My brother dies. Um, I bounce around from home to home and I end up getting lucky. I'm like he did. And, and, and Pat and Debbie Hines made me their son, you know, and it was the, the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. But, but the, here's the deal. I went and tried to find my birth father's family. They wanted nothing to do with me. They were like, really? get away from us. We, we think you want money. I was like, I don't want money. I just want to be a part of the family. They said, we want nothing to do with you. Get out. Wow. And it was very heartbreaking because you could see on the wall of their home when I, when I met them that there was all of these old timey sepia, you know, black yeah. and white pictures from like the twenties of guys that looked just like me. Wow. So it was, it was obviously, it was obvious I was part of the family, but they wanted nothing to do with me. Yeah. Well, I go out and I try to find my birth mom's family and they accept me immediately. And oh. it was the most beautiful experience of my entire life. Well, one of them certainly uh, next to wearing my wife, Margaret. And I'll never forget. <laughs> I had reached out. I had found a number to my, my grandparent, my, my birth grandparents home. Yeah. And guess what my birth grandparent mother's name is hope. Oh my gosh. Hope. I know. Isn't that great? Oh. Isn't that fantastic? Well, I, I, I get the number and and, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm, I leave a message for my birth sister. And I said, uh, hi, uh, this is Kevin Hines. Uh, my name used to be Giovanni Gabriel Prasad Perales. I think I'm your brother. Please call me. Who calls that guy? Oh, Who's going to call that guy? Well, <laughs> Giovanni, I don't know. I'd call Giovanni. <laughs> well, she didn't call me for two years. Wow. She sees me on 2020. My sister sees me on 2020. And she goes, this is a sign. She believes in signs. So she calls me, calls that same number I left for her. And I answer the phone and she says, is this Giovanni? And nobody calls me Giovanni. So I knew exactly who was on the other end of the line. And I said, is this, is this Sheikah? Is, is this Sheikah my sister? And, and she goes, how many Sheikahs do you know? You know? Sheikahs, so yeah. I, was like, I was like, hi, how are you? I was like, oh my gosh, I have to come meet you right now. And she's like, whoa, I don't know you, slow down. And I was like, listen, I've been looking for you my whole life. Oh. 
I've had this knot, this hole in my chest my whole life, yeah. this void. I need to meet you. If you don't like me, we never have to see each other again. So I go and I meet her at Starbucks and uh, 14th and Uloa in San Francisco. Uh, and, and I'm walking, pacing back and forth in front of the Starbucks. And these two police officers are like, sir, are you okay? <gasps> and I just, I, I rattle off. I'm fine. I'm going to meet my birth sister. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to meet her. I've never, I've never met anyone from her birth family. I'm just rambling. And they're like, buddy, we don't want to hold your life story. We don't want to know your life story. We want to know if you're okay. Yeah, yeah, just stop talking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. Sir, calm down. And then Chica <laughs> comes around the corner, the spitting, uncanny resemblance of our birth mom. Wow. <gasps> and, and all I ever wanted growing up was to give my birth mom a great big hug oh. and tell her I loved her. That yeah. was my whole goal in life. If she didn't accept me, I would accept that immediately. I would walk away. And Chica opens her arms. She envelops me. And the first thing she says is, I love you. Oh, how wonderful not even knowing that story about, about what I wanted in, in my life. So oh. it was amazing. It was a gift. And here's the kicker. This is the hard part. Okay. She opens up this tin when we get in the Starbucks and it's a, a it's a tin with cats on it. Cause my, my mom liked cats and she was a painter And she opened up the tin and in it were all these letters and things that my mom had in storage, our mom had. And one of the letters was a, a Christmas list, like, like you would make to, to write letters to people on Christmas. Right. And just, there's just names on the list of who you want to write Christmas cards to. One of the names was a guy named Fred Kling. And I was like, Fred Kling, that, that's my art teacher from City College. How does she have the same, Fred, you know, same spelling and everything? I wonder if it's the same Fred Kling. Like how many people you know named Fred Kling? None. Right. Okay. So I meet Fred Kling for, for, for lunch. And I say, do you know a woman named Marcia Silvera? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. She was in my art 101 class, just like you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you guys were one, one uh, period apart. One what? period apart. At the same when time? I would be, when, I, when I would be walking into that class, she would be walking out of that class in the same year. Kevin, it blew my mind. And I was so upset. At first, I was so angry. I was like, I miss my mom by a few minutes every day, right? By every, every single day for that semester. But then I realized we were intrinsically connected. Yeah, we shared the same argon, the same breath yeah. every day for that semester. And that's a gift. Yeah. And, and you know, what else is also so beautiful. What I take from that is your mother had such a beautiful love and, and gift for art like you did. Ugh. And to know that you have that in common and, and by the same teacher. And I wonder, yeah. did he ever have any of her paintings or pictures or anything? Well, my birth sister has all of them and I'm glad you asked because oh. I've got one right here. <gasps> Oh, it's so beautiful. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh my God. And it's a purple it's flower. So Kevin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's right. It's a purple tulip. It's a purple with yellow flower, inside. you know, like the You're golden. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that until you said it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And wow. how, and how old were you when she, like how long before you met your sister before did your mother had she passed away? Well, that's the thing. I had been searching for her at, I think I was 24 or five when I started searching for her. I was two years too late. Two years too late. Right. 
My sister had searched for her all over San Francisco. See, here's what happened. She had a family before she had mine. Right. Husband in Florida. Oh, wow. Two kids, my brother, my half brother, half sister. And she got sick mentally and she got up and she left and walked away and never came back. Wow. Ended up in San Francisco. Eventually my sister grows up. She starts looking for her in San Francisco, searches far and wide, finds her, gets her seven years sober. And then my birth mom uh, one day gets back on drugs and 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 and, and 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 dies. Right. Um, and and uh, you you know it, it was heartbreaking because I missed her by two years, just right. two years. Right. And I kept beating myself up like if I just started searching for her earlier, maybe I could have made a difference or a dent in what in her situation. But you know you can't hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? right? Um, so so the best part about this is I had never known my ethnic heritage. And everybody that I ever met growing up was like, hey, you look like you could be part this, or you look like you'd be part that, so I'm very mixed. Um, And and so I find out my ethnic heritage, I do 20, my my 23, uh, what was it? 23 and me, right. 23 and me, I do Ancestry.com, and I find out that on my dad's side, I'm half Mexican, half Italian. Okay. Or he was half Mexican, half Giovanni. Giovanni, right? Exactly. That's my birth. That's my grandfather, my dad's side. And then I find out that I'm on my mom's side. We're, we're, she was born in Jamaica, lived in Jamaica first few years of her life. Wow. So I'm Jamaican, African, black, Arawak, Indian, Portuguese, Scottish, Irish, English, and Sephardic Jew. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful yeah. combination. Right. And here's the biggest thing. Like people always tell me when I tell them that, so you're a mutt. And I hate that because yeah. no. You've known your ethnic makeup your entire life. I've never known. I am proud of everything. I am proud of you know, every no, single little bit of that. Every Thank you very little much. bit of it. I'm proud of it. And, and I and I identify with it. You know, yeah. it's amazing. Oh, this is this is a great story. So I end up I end up meeting over Zoom just last week. Um Hope's I think it's Hope's cousin. Okay. My birth grandmother's cousin. Or, right. or, or, um and 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 her name is Maisie. And she just in May turned a hundred years old. Oh, wonderful. And she lives in Jamaica along with, you know, several hundred of her other cousins. And they want me to go to Jamaica with my family. We want to have a big, big reunion. Can I come with you to Jamaica? That sounds amazing. (laughs) Come on, you're invited. Let's go. Oh my gosh. How wonderful. Oh my gosh. I just, I have chills for you right now because this is just so exciting. You know, this happened to my cousin, actually. Um, I have uh, one set of my family, like one cousin. There's uh, four, four or five adoptees for my my mind is not working today anyways regardless she went through the same thing that you did of not knowing what her ethnic background was and everyone would always say to her oh well you look ethiopian oh you look egyptian oh you look this oh you look that and she never knew you know and she was like god i just want to know you know and it was so interesting because when she had found out all the different you know nationalities that she was and ethnicities she was like oh wow that's so interesting because i enjoy this and that's what this country is known for and I know that and I love this so it's so wonderful I, I I just I know the excitement that you have because I know the excitement yes. that she had of being able to finally have that final connection and and even though you didn't have the opportunity to meet your birth mother you know yeah. you did you know you you yeah, did in your soul and, and and my birth family on my mom's side has been nothing less than amazing oh. and it, they're so beautiful they're such a gift 
um, they're they're also very like complexion mixed and gorgeous, and it, it's really just like it's. I, I feel so just thrilled right. that I get to call them and talk to them and meet with them and have dinners with them and coffees with them and go to. We're going. I'm going to see Spider Man tonight with them. You know, oh like my gosh! It's going to be amazing. It must have been such a moment too for your wife, you know, to go through this whole journey. I mean, you have such a wonderful wife, Margaret. Shout out to Margaret. Yeah, shout um, out to Margaret. She's she's just the best. But what a what a roller coaster for her. I mean, we've talked about this before, but uh, what was it like for you? You know, because we talked about how my husband doesn't have an in quote out of quote bipolar diagnosis or any sort of you know right. diagnosis, and and you said that Margaret doesn't either what was this like for her and for you to kind of create that bond you know I know you asked me this question and I, I I loved it so much and then what was it like you know for you to have this whole new discovery of this whole new family and this whole new storyline and then make sure that you know you still give the attention to her and be there for her as well it must be just like a lot <laughs> it's it's a lot but it's fantastic because she's always with me we travel together we work together, we do everything together. So, you know, I mean, she's literally in the opposite office of me. She, she can hear you. So yeah, it's good. You know, so <laughs> she's working over there on, she says Ooh. hello. She says, hi, Margaret, we love you. <laughs> so, so, you know, in meeting my birth family, um, they accepted her right away and, right. and, and we're, we're all very close. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's just something that, you know, we, we give each other each, uh, an equal amount of time, you right. know, and it's really nice. And, and she's been there for me in my darkest of hours during lots of, you know, uh, six of my last nine psych wards days, she's been there. How did you, when you, when you first talked to Margaret, like when you guys first met, how did you have that conversation with her of like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm bipolar. So it was, it's an <laughs> awesome conversation because she met me in my, in my third psych ward stay. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. I was a patient of course. And she was visiting her cousin who was wow. there for a, a, a drug overdose. Um, wow. and, and, uh, when she met me, I had finagled my way into volunteering for the psych ward I was staying in. Stop it. So amazing. I, was wearing, I was wearing plain clothes. No. Every other patient was wearing a hospital <laughs> gown, hospital pants and hospital slippers with the grips on the bottom. But I'm wearing, I'm wearing a pink, pink polo shirt, Ralph Ren polo shirt khaki cargo shorts from the giveaway clothes closet and sandals, sandals that fit me right out the box. And I'm, I'm making the afternoon visiting hour announcements on the PA system. And I'm rhyming them because it's more efficient. And she looks at me and she goes, excuse me, do you work here? And the entire nursing staff was looking at me like, what is this jackass going to What is he going to say? Yeah. And I was like, as a matter of fact, miss, I am a volunteer. And they couldn't do anything about it because I had done so much work. Oh my and gosh. So, Stop it. It's totally illegal, by the way. And so, and so, so she says to me, I'm looking for my cousin. His name is, can you show me his room? I said, right. Madam, right this way. I walked her to the kid's room and he sees me. I duck out in the hallway. This kid doesn't like me because he, he was catatonic when he came in. And I, my goal was to try to uh, elicit him to respond and get him out of his catatonia. Yeah. Every day I would sit with him breakfast, lunch, and dinner and tell him stories. And, and, and one day he found, this is before she gets there. One day he goes, Jesus Christ, man, you talk too much. Leave me the hell alone. I know your whole life story. Can you get away from me? Just shut up. I got, I got him out of his catatonia. Good. Well, she, she, I, I, I duck out in the hallway and she goes, your nursing staff is so nice. <laughs> and he goes, that guy, 
That guy is a total nutball. That guy jumps off of bridges. Don't talk to that guy. No. And I ran, I ran in there and I was like, excuse me, excuse me. It was one. It was one bridge, plural. That's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> excuse me, sir. If you're going to tell the story, say it correctly. Thank you very much. Yeah. So she comes out. She goes, why did you lie to me? I said, Margaret, I didn't lie to you. I am a volunteer at this very hospital. I just happen to also live here. <laughs> anyway, I feel like this is the movie. Short, long story short, she gives me a first date. When I get out of the halfway home, out of the hospital, out of the halfway home after that, and and I, we went on our first date, I I blew this date up. It was an absolute debacle. No, I first of all, I got lemon. I squeezed lemon in her eye. Mascara was running down her face. Oh my god! Um, I, I I I tipped over a plate of boiling butter. It went on her, uh, between her blouse on her chest, and it burned her. She screamed oh. bloody murder. No oh, restaurant god. stopped cold. Um, I was I, I got marinara sauce all over my only good white shirt that I bought at Old Navy on sale at the clearance rack for five dollars. It was a two day shirt. I only made three dollars a day out of my halfway home. I was a mess, and I, I never forget. She, at one point, she just goes, "Check, please." We yeah. hadn't even eaten our food, you know. So she we walk, you know, she's walking a mile away from me in front of me back to the apartment. We get there, and she goes, "Kevin, we're going to the roof." I said, "Are you gonna throw me off?" She said, "No, just come with me." <laughs> We go to the roof. There's two yoga mats in a box garden. We lay down. We look at the moon together above the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. And um, and she says, so tell me your story. And I start telling her my story. She was asleep in five minutes. No. no. Yeah. This is literally a romantic comedy movie <laughs> that is like starring Adam Sandler. I just know it. Yeah. <laughs> we slept on the roof. In, 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 in the, they're making a movie about it. We slept on a roof. In, in the October night under the moon, oh. we woke up early covered in like dew, you know, Yeah, yeah. and, and, uh, and she gave me a second date and the rest is history. Oh my gosh. A true love story from the yes. psych ward to here. Here we are. <laughs> one of the best love stories. I have to say that is the number one love story that I've ever heard because I love yeah. that you committed to like fully being like, yeah, I am a volunteer. Yes, I am a patient here. Yes, I live here, ma'am. Okay, but what is the problem? I am a catch, you know, and you are yes. a catch, and you just shared your yeah. story. Like, that's and what she happened. Is too. She's oh. the biggest catch. I mean, she's my greatest gift. She is the best oh. thing that ever happened to me. So stay tuned for the movie. Oh my God, I can't wait. And then, how did the Kevin and Margaret Foundation come about? Uh, the Kevin and Margaret Hines Foundation, now known as the Hines Foundation, uh, came about because we wanted to give um, scholarships to youth who wanted to learn about suicide prevention and mental health and go to those conferences and like oh, be a part of the conversation and, and really share their knowledge and learn, uh, how to help people find hope. Right. Um, and we also wanted to, we also give a, a lot of the foundation's funds, uh, to various suicide prevention organizations for them to further their cause as well. Great. And how can people find that? KMHeinzFoundation.org. Okay, wonderful. That just sounds yeah. so fantastic and yeah. so great to be able to include other people because I think, you know, even for me, this is so new for me talking about, you know, um, you know, I've only been talking about it for about three years and had the podcast for a little bit. And, you know, I always am trying to learn and find out about new organizations and new ways to help yeah. and new ways to, you know, just bring the noise to the 
the community, right? And and so yes. I think that it's a really tough, it's really tough to do that. And, you know, yeah. there's so many foundations that you are just like, oh, well, I think this could work. I think this helps. But if you don't know a story behind it, I think it's very hard to really want to get behind it. This is a story yeah. and this is a mission. You know, this is your mission, your life's work, I would say, right? You know, it is. It is. It's my life's passion, my life goal. You know, this, this is, I, I always say that we all have multiple purposes, you know? Yeah. My purpose is to be a good husband to my wife, a good uh, father to my dog that passed away, Max, because I love him so much, oh, a good sorry. a good son to my mom and dad, Debbie and Pat, yeah. um, and a good brother to my siblings, and, 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 and a good person of faith uh, to, to, yeah. to what I believe in, um, and just all around um, fight to be mentally well and try to help others do the same, you know? And, and people can go... If they want to learn more about the story, they can go to KevinHinesStory.com. They can go to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Kevin Hines. We have 500 plus videos, wow. all designed to help people with their mental, brain, mind, behavioral, physical, spiritual, health, and well-being. And they are entertaining, educational. They're fun. They're with some of the greatest uh, YouTube and real celebrities and, you know, you know, right. you know, celebrities in the world that are talking about how to, how to heal mentally. Right. Um, and how to fight the pain so you can survive it and how to be resilient in the face of struggle and strife with your mental health. And so we really curate these videos that are science. Some of them are science backed, evidence informed, proven to change lives. Was there someone that you interview or or that you met or maybe haven't met yet that that not was a role model to you, but you were just so impressed by their story and it just moved you so much? You know, I have to be honest, I was two, two people come to mind uh, when I got to meet and speak with uh, Demi Lovato. That yeah. was an amazing experience. Um, she goes through a lot, but she helps a lot of people with her music right. and her words and her efforts. And she was doing these amazing uh, mental health nights before her concerts. And I got to go and, and, and be the keynote, the speaker for that mental health night. Oh, that's a couple so of cool. Times. Um, and then you get to go see the big concert with, you know, what looks like 50,000 people in an arena. Uh, and I'll never forget. Uh, one of those experiences, DJ Khaled was there oh. and one person walks up to him and goes, uh, this is Kevin. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, like where the left field. And he goes, don't do that again. No. I was just waiting for me. I was just waiting for him to say, and another one. And another anyway, one. <laughs> and another one. But it was great. Um, and the second person that comes to mind, and this is controversial for some people, but uh, is Logan Paul. You oh, know, we know what Logan Paul went through and what he dealt with uh, and, and, and what he did years ago regarding suicide. But what he's done since then for suicide prevention has been nothing less than phenomenal. When I met him, uh, when we did a video called Be Here Tomorrow, um, that is, is the most watched suicide prevention PSA in the world by 33 million people. Wow. Um, and, and counting. Um, and that PSA, uh, he, he invited me to his home and I went there and we talked for two to three hours before we ever went on camera. And he told me how sorry he was for what he had done and that he really wanted to make a difference. Well, he gets on this thing, does his PSA with me. It reaches 33 million people. And then there was a, there was, and not many people know this, but there was a, a suicide prevention lifeline center that was going under belly up and he funded it for the next, I think, year and a half or two years. Wow. He gave, he gave them, I'm not going to say the amount he gave them, but he, but he, he saved the, the whole suicide uh, lifelines, uh, that, that one that center, he saved it, period. Um, and he did it like that because he cared. Uh, and he's given so much money to, to NAMI and to so many other folks. He really cares about mental health and he's really taking it up as one of his causes. Which is well, I think also, you know, I don't know much about Logan Paul. I actually, I, I kind of now it's like I'm remembering like the 
con- the controversy behind it all. I, but I'm not, I'm not hip with the YouTube kids, um, Kevin. Um, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm like an old lady. Um, but, but um, I do know he like fought someone. I remember there was like a big fight or something, and I like I was like, oh, I should bet on that, like because I'm a Vegas person. Anyways, <laughs> neither here nor there. Not the point. My point of this is, um, we all make mistakes, right? We all mess up. We all are just complete idiots. I have done stuff that I am not proud of. And, um, you know, I'm sure one day something will come out on the internet and I'll be like, why did I ever do that? I forgot I even did that, right? There's certain things that we do. But it's not about the mistakes that are made and being punished for the rest of your life for that. It's about what do you do with that mistake? What do you do with the change? And what do you do with your future? And what do you do with the future for other people? Um, Because you can sit there and take the blame and be like, oh, I didn't mean to do that and I didn't do that and then point blank not do anything about it but the fact that he is over there and he is silently funding an organization that's saving you know thousands of lives the fact that he's making a video and putting it out there and not just doing it for clout or whatever you know the kids say you know stuff like that he's actually doing it for change so i i don't hold grudges against people that actually do the change afterwards um so i hearing that really is just so awesome and i thank you for sharing that because now I actually want to look into Logan Paul and, and be like, hey, come on the show. You know what I mean? Like, and actually have that conversation because it's something I never even knew that he was doing. Um, and I think that that's just absolutely fantastic. I think that's that's great. Thank you for sharing you know, that. The, that's so cool. Yeah, the best part about it is he genuinely cares and he yeah. wants to do good and, and not just wants to, he's doing good. He's changing lives. Right. You know, and, and, and we have had hundreds of people write in to the beer tomorrow video and say this video saved my life so he's making a difference wow oh my god well i have to ask you kevin my final question i ask everyone um and i have a feeling i know what it is but i don't know maybe you'll surprise me um kevin what is your emotional support oh wow um my emotional support Ooh. <laughs> there we go <laughs> um and you might you might know exactly what it is because it's behind me <laughs> Well, it's first of all, my lovely wife, Margaret, who, who gets my back every day yeah. and helps support me every day, which is amazing and the best thing ever. But I, I enjoy collecting and reading comic books because they take me away from this, this crazy world we live in. Yeah. And, they, and I hate that term crazy, but I'll say it anyway. Oh, I love it. You can use it on my show use. all day long. <laughs> I really enjoy drifting off into a world that's totally fictitious and escaping uh, and, and just in, 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 partly because every comic book character has a mental struggle they're going through while they're trying to help other people stay alive. Right. Every like Spider-Man has anxiety. Peter Parker at least has very severe anxiety. Venom Venom is is definitely dealing with bipolar disorder. Hundred you know? percent, and that's so, why Venom's so, my favorite. So is, <laughs> so is the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Uh, Dead Deadpool was born in pain, and so was I. I relate to him the most. Yeah. Um, that's why all the statues, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you can, you can go down every single comic book character that's ever been made and find their flaw, if, if you will, or their mental health crisis. There's even, uh, some new comic books in, in, um, in the DC universe that are all about a halfway home for the mentally ill for superheroes. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, they're so in tune, they're so in tune with, with mental health crises. And, they, and I have to tell you, a lot of them do a really good job 
of portraying uh, what would what, what we would call a mental health crisis, and they don't even need to say mental health crisis. No. It's just exactly. it's just written so well into the comic that you get it, you know, and, and they're very helpful in that way. Well, and on your your show, um, I talked about how I you know the first time I ever talked about living with bipolar disorder in an audition. Um, I had done the audition and I said to the writers, you know, this is such incredible writing. I live with bipolar disorder and I never, you know, even though this character isn't in quote, out of quote, written with bipolar, um, the, right. the, there was a situation of like breaking a mirror and cutting her face um, where I've, I've felt that and I've done similar things to that. And it was the first time yeah. in writing where I actually felt like, Wow, someone gets it. Um, and it yeah. was for Batwoman, um, and it was for the character Duella Dent, who's the Joker's yeah. daughter. And yeah. it was so interesting to me because I was like, God, this is a this is a comic book. You know what I mean? This is yeah. this is wild. And then when I really like went into the whole backstory behind Duella, I felt like, oh my God, I am so blessed that I played this character because I feel so connected. I mean, mine is the serial killer. I felt very connected <laughs> to her and I was like strangely way too connected. Um, but it's so interesting and and the way that you're saying they don't even have to say, you know, oh, I am A, B, and C, you know, here's no. what's wrong with me mentally. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I I think I have to say, Kevin, that is my favorite answer to what is your emotional support. <laughs> oh, yes. Love it. Kevin, how can everyone find you and follow you and just keep on learning and loving? So a very simple, at Kevin Hines story across all social medias. Um, KevinHindsStory.com uh, and slash resources if you want to find some great resources for your mental health. Oh, great. YouTube.com slash Kevin Hines. 500 plus videos. We drop one every Friday. Uh, so we're going to be dropping one today, which is great. New mental hack of the day. Um, and uh, and you can you can also find me on the Hindsights podcast where they will see you very shortly yes. and our interview about your story. So it's going to be great. Oh my gosh. And I had so much fun. Well, I am just so lucky to have been able to meet you and your beautiful wife and, and hear this story. And I'm just so happy that, that finally now everyone has been writing in being like, when do you get Kevin Hines on? And I can be like, I did it. We did it. Yes. He's here. The story is here. So I just, I love, I adore you. Thank you for everything that you do for the community and just keep on kicking ass because you are a superhero, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Alessandra. And, and you are too. So we'll keep doing this good work together.